Well, on the 17th of September in 2004, my Aunt Betty, my mother's youngest sister, passed away. This is a picture of her with my grandfather, Ben, my namesake. Um, She was just a week shy of her 75th birthday and had rather heroically and without ever complaining endured a several-year battle of suffering with tongue cancer. She lived a very humble and quiet life of selfless service to God. At every one of our family gatherings, she would always be the first one to get up and clear the table and do the dishes without complaining. She never forgot a single birthday or anniversary card among the entire extended family, uh, including all of her nieces and nephews. And on every Christmas, you could always count on a crisp $5 bill from Aunt Betty. Uh, she never married, worked her entire career at a, uh, a minimum wage job on a production line at Peoria Production Shop, which is now relocated right across Town Line Road here from where it was when she worked there. She is buried, uh, rather, was buried rather unceremoniously in a small cemetery in Morton, Illinois, where she'd lived her entire life. Now, you can't imagine my surprise when uh, just a week before Christmas in that same year, I opened up a letter from my mother, and it contained a check from my Aunt Betty's estate. And it was totally unexpected, bigger than I could have imagined her estate would ever been worth, and it was very much appreciated as those surprise gifts are. It was one great, surprising Christmas gift. Now, tonight we're actually concluding a three-week series of Advent sermons that we've been looking at the greatest Christmas gifts. And tonight we're actually going to discover that Jesus came to give us the gift of real life. And now we're going to be hearing an account of this incredible gift of real life as we read from a very old and yet reliable manuscript called the Bible. And it's uh, going to be punctuated as we sing together the traditional carols that spin the Christmas story in a slightly different and yet memorable way. And I just want to make sure that you're all invited to join in singing. You should feel free to remain seated or you could stand, you could clap or whistle or even dance a little jig if you're so moved. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then God created people in his own image and crowned them with honor. God put the man Adam and his wife Eve in the middle of Eden, the earth's original garden, to tend and care for it. But Adam sinned through disobedience, and sin entered the entire human race. His sin spread death through all the world, so everything began to grow old and die. For all sinned. The earth became corrupt in God's sight. It was filled with violence. How quickly God's people turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. The people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. They followed other gods and refused to give up their evil practices. Two thousand years passed. And then God made a promise to a man named Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you so that you may bless all the people on the face of the earth. Look up to the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Your descendants will be just as numerous. And from these descendants, the Deliverer will come. Then, still hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, God spoke through two prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah. And He said, 
For the time is coming when I will place a righteous branch upon King David's throne. He shall be a king who will rule with wisdom and justice. He'll do what is right and just throughout the land and cause righteousness to prevail everywhere throughout the earth. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. I will break the chains that bind my people. And in that day of peace, battle gear will no longer be issued. I will make him a light to the nations of the world to bring my salvation to them. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And these will be his royal titles, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, His ever-expanding, peaceful government will never end. He will rule with perfect fairness and bring true justice and peace to all the nations of the world. And the Lord Himself shall choose the sign. A child shall be born to a virgin, and she shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us.
Now God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin, Mary, engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her and said, Congratulations, favored lady. May God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, trying to think what the angel could mean. Mary, you have nothing to fear, the angel reassured her. God has a surprise for you. Very soon now you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and will be called the Son of God. His kingdom shall never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of God shall overshadow you. And so the baby born to you will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. You see, nothing is impossible with God. Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's servant, and I'm willing to do whatever he wants. May everything that you've said come true. And then the angel disappeared. Before Mary and Joseph came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, being a man of stern principle, determined to break the engagement, but decided to do it quietly so Mary would not be publicly disgraced. And as he considered this, he fell asleep and had a dream. God's angels spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will have a son, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, meaning God saves, because he'll save his people from their sins. This will fulfill God's message through his prophet Isaiah. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They'll name him Emmanuel, Hebrew for God is with us. And then Joseph woke up. He did exactly as God's angel had commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. Now, about this time, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that a census should be taken throughout the empire. Everyone was required to return to his ancestral hometown for this registration. Because Joseph was a member of the royal line, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, King David's ancient home. He traveled there from the Galilean village of Nazareth with Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn.
That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel appeared among them, and the landscape blazed with the glory of God. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I'm here to announce good news of great joy. It's meant for everyone worldwide. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. continued, this is what you're to look for. You will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth and goodwill among all people. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic most proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem, hark the herald angels sing. Christ the everlasting 
As the angel choir withdrew to heaven, the shepherds talked it over and said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see for ourselves this wonderful thing that God's told us about. So they ran to the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Glorifying and praising God, they told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story expressed astonishment. But Mary kept all these things to herself, quietly treasuring them in her heart.
About that time, some astrologers from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth, and we're on a pilgrimage to worship him. King Herod told them to go to Bethlehem. Instructed by the king, they set off, and once again the star appeared to them. It went ahead of them until it hovered over the place of the child, and they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they knelt and worshipped him. And then they opened their luggage and presented their gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray. Lord, cause the wonder of this powerful Christmas story to break in afresh among us. Thank you, Jesus, that you left the splendor of heaven to live among men and to show us the way back to the Father. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your truth, and your power. And may we more fully love you and surrender our lives to you and worship you and serve you with everything we've got, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, there was a man who uh, worked for the post office whose job it was to process all the mail that had illegible addresses. One day a letter came addressed in rather shaky handwriting to God. So he thought he'd better open it and see what it was about. It read, Dear God, I'm an 83-year-old widow living on a very small pension. Yesterday someone stole my purse. It had $100 in it, which was all the money I had until my next check. Now, you know next Sunday is Christmas, and I've invited two of my friends over for dinner. Without that money, I have nothing to buy food with. I have no family to turn to, and you're my only hope. Could you please help me? Sincerely, Edna. Well, the poster worker was obviously very touched. He showed the letter to his co-workers, and each one dug into his or her wallet and collected a few dollars. By the time he'd made the rounds through the office, he'd collected $96, which they put in the envelope and then mailed off to the woman. And the rest of that day, all of the postal workers had this warm holiday glow, thinking of Edna and the dinner she'd now be able to share with her friends. Well, Christmas came and went. A few days later, another letter came from the elderly lady addressed to God. So all the workers huddled around to, to read the letter and, and see what it said. So they, they gathered, and it was opened, and, then, and the, the, one of the workers read, Dear God, how can I ever thank you enough for what you did for me this Christmas? Because of your gift of love, I was able to fix a glorious dinner for my friends. We had a very nice holiday together, and I had told my friends of your wonderful gift. By the way, there was $4 missing. I think it must have been those thieves at the post office. Sincerely, Edna. <laughs> Well, sometimes things aren't as they appear, are they? We just don't stop long enough to to reflect and think deeply and discover the truth. And while the actual passages of life may follow a consequential order, birth and then adolescence and then marriage and then retirement and then death, our actual lives are seldom so orderly, are they? Um, we don't give consideration to life events until later, seldom as they happen. Reflection comes later when we observe what happens to someone else. For example, you, you don't consider your own birth when you're born. 
But later, when you have children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, you don't think about death until, until you get real close to it, at a funeral perhaps, or when someone close to you passes away. And I think Christmas is kind of like that too. We seldom reflect deeply upon Christmas simply because the month between Thanksgiving and December 25th seems to fly by in a hurry, doesn't it? And we're besieged with holiday office parties and white elephant gift exchanges, decorating our homes and our mantles and our trees and, and with lights and candles and ornaments. There's plenty of shopping and wrapping and packing. There's school musical performances, baking the cookies in your aunt's favorite, you know, peanut brittle recipe. You got to pack and travel and do one or several Christmases at the in-laws and the outlaws. We're eager and, and frazzled. We're sentimental and indifferent. We're excited and maybe lonely. We're anxious and depressed. And just like Edna, we're tempted to draw the wrong conclusions about the holiday. So if we were to purposely reflect on Christmas, what would its simple message be? Well, Christmas Eve marks the conclusion of Advent during which the time uh, in which time the church for the last nearly 1700 years has observed the original advent the coming or arrival of of the of God himself on that first christmas it celebrates his presence in our life today and thirdly it expresses anticipation of his second coming to the earth at the completion of this present evil age And over the last three weeks, we've been reflecting on the greatest Christmas gifts. The gift of real hope that things don't need to stay the way they are. The gift of real joy that Jesus changes everything. And the gift of real love that Jesus loves you and welcomes you back into relationship with God the Father. And tonight I'd like to share this truth of the Christmas story and all of its elegant and powerful simplicity is that Jesus came to give us real life. Jesus describes this powerful truth in his own words, this way in the the Gospel of John, the third chapter. And I love how Eugene Peterson uh, translates this in the version of the Bible known as the message, John 3, verses 16 to 18. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him, anyone, can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus came to give us Not the American dream or the life of the rich and famous, but a whole and lasting life, the life of his kingdom. I love how the King James and the New American Standard versions spin this verse in John 10.10. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The New International Version translates it this way. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. And so this is real life, life that is full, life that is good. That's what Jesus desires for us. 
God's desire for, for you to have real life is what actually moved him to leave the glory of heaven, humble himself to enter our suffering, and be born as a fragile, vulnerable baby on that original Christmas Eve, inconspicuous and unnoticed by the whole world. God's desire for you to have real life is what motivated him to endure the suffering of the cross. God's desire for you to have real life is what moved him to rise from the dead, ascend to God the Father, and to patiently wait for all people everywhere to turn from sin and selfishness to worship God. God's desire for you to have real life is what fuels his desire for you to be fully, completely satisfied in life today as you fill out his purposes, his destiny for your life. God's desire for you to have real life is will is what will compel him to come a second time at the end of this age to gather his people and to accompany them together into the age to come. So friends, in the year ahead of us, in the rhythm of good times and bad, of joy and sorrow, in blessings and struggles, in success and failure, in sickness and in health, in life and in death, in sacrifice and in plenty, in anxiety and peace, let's remember just how much God wants us to experience real life as we trust in Jesus. To conclude tonight, I thought it would be fitting to join with the larger historical church in confessing together the Nicene Creed, which has succinctly retold the powerful story, the Christmas story of God's great love since it was first crafted in 325 A.D. and has been recited in many traditions around the globe in many cultures ever since. It's printed for you in your program. It'll also be projected on the screen. So why don't we stand together and join with the Universal Historical Church in confessing the Nicene Creed, the true meaning of the Christmas story. So let's just say it aloud together. You ready? We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, He rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Let's just remain standing as we conclude this service. We're going to light our candles as a testimony to the gifts of love and hope and joy and life that Jesus brings. Let us adore Him. Oh, let us adore Him. we will forever and forever in the age to come. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the powerful and rich and life-changing truths of the Christmas story. Thank you for the light of the world that broke in upon us in a simple and unassuming way that original Christmas Eve. Thank you for the love and the joy and the hope and life that you offer through Jesus, through his death and His resurrection. And we pray that You would now fill our lives with the Holy Spirit. Lord, come and touch our lives, our family, our community, our church, and our nation. We pray that You would fill us, Lord, and send us from this place. Let us be people that that are cooperating with You 
directed by your Holy Spirit, leading people to Jesus and finding the real life of your kingdom. Lord, send us out from this place where we work and live and play and go to school. Lord, we we want to honor you with our lives. We want to speak your words and do your works. Lord, it's our earnest desire that we would give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for as long as you choose to give us breath. And it's in your precious and powerful name we praise you. Amen.
Well, friends, I just want to say thanks for joining with us tonight as we've uh, worshipped. Don't forget, if you're our guest, we've got a gift for you at the uh, at the guest central on your way out. And parents, please make sure your children extinguish their candles. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful holiday. Yes. Oh, yeah. Just drop your candles in the box on your way out. Thanks a lot. Eat lots of cookies. Yeah, eat lots of cookies. <laughs>